0: We think we know what we're doing. Uh, Are we rolling on air? Yeah, we'll get to that. Okay. Yo, yo, yo. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to Mount Draftmore. I'm watching Dylan do a bird dance across from me. (laughs) (laughs) What do you call that, a bird?
1: (laughs) (laughs) That bird again, eaten in the wild. (laughs) That's my bird of paradise
2: dance. Bird of paradise is a flower, though. It's also a bird. Harken back to the bird of uh, the... What episode was that? I don't... Oh, the Good luck finding j- a mate with Jungle that animals. Dance. Jungle animals.
1: Shout out jungle animals. Dylan going to be single a long time <laughs> that mating <dance. laughs> Do it one more time. <laughs> I dare you to do, go to a club and see what happens. See if you get anyone swinging by. I'll do it. you looks. I'll do
0: it. It, it's Dylan Dustin myself. 3-person draft Studio Ghibli Films. We need to roll to see who's going to get this thing going. That good old gambling music. 16. Mm. Wait, you didn't 80, say any name. 82? 28. Damn you. <laughs> <laughs> You didn't say a name.
3: Come on, Bishop.
0: Yeah, that's why you failed. Oh, wait, no. You Did failed he up. Re-roll? he reroll? roll I failed <laughs> up. He failed up. Yeah, He got a 28. <laughs> that's what you want. It's like when you trip up the <laughs> stairs. Okay, here we go. 18. Damn. Nice. Damn, Justin.
1: <laughs> no. You got the wraparound, bro. Yeah, but there's like clear one and two. I, ain't gonna that I was gonna wrap like, around. I <laughs> one third chance that I'm not gonna get a clear one and two.
0: Oh no, there's a clear one and two? I think <sighs> there is, but maybe I'm wrong. I
2: think there is a clear one. I don't know about a clear no, there is a clear two.
0: Is there a clear two? Is there a clear <sighs> dang. I the rest is up for debate, but it's there probably be a is a contentious draft. Yeah. Well, maybe not. We don't ever get contentious we could everyone's pretty civil the discourse in here isn't crazy like out in the real world <laughs> man why couldn't we just be a little more simple we're just a little more simple we'd argue a little bit a little more needlessly we just need to be more basic man yeah just we need a basic up
1: <laughs> yep we need to drink more beer get hit in the head a little bit more
0: I don't know what else uh, we need what to- do we What at our age what do we hit ourselves in the head with <laughs> like I don't know. I mean,
2: uh, I re- when I come back from my cellar, I regularly hit myself in the head with the door to the cellar because it's like abnormally small. I don't know. No, it's not necessarily small. It's just like shaped weird. So when you go up the steps, you're not thinking that it's going to be smaller than it is. And then you hit your head.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> See, it's happening. So that is very much an
0: adult thing, I think. Is that enough to... To (laughs) symbolize you, though, to to get you a little more basic.
2: I also, I think I got a concussion one time by moving a couch because I hit my head on a steel beam while loading it into a truck. Ooh, wow. Yeah. It was like a low, you know, again, you're not expecting it to be so low. It was in a parking garage and man, I just nailed that thing
1: full on. Pretty horrifying because that's coming from the (laughs) shortest person in a part of our team. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh no.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was awful. Damn. Okay, so Dylan, 28, myself 18, <clears throat> Dustin, you got the wraparound. Matt would be happy. He'd be proud. Round one. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Round one. There we go. Yeah, there we go.
2: Well, I think I have to take the obvious choice for number one. Or at least I think it's obvious. I'm going to take Spirited Away, the 2001 classic, which is probably... The most famous and heralded uh, Studio Ghibli film, um, in part, most likely due to being uh, partnered up with Disney as a distributor um, and released in theaters in that way. I mean, it's almost seen, not quite, but I would say almost by some seen as a Disney film just because like when you put it on, it's like the logo's there and everything and it's crazy. Anyway, animation, top notch. Uh, story, top notch. Humors there, cuteness is there, um, and that classic theme of um, uh, what is it? It's like returning to nature, right? Uh, kind of like um, I don't know the the grossness of human consumption juxtaposed with like the natural, the naturalness of um, I don't know, just existing in an unindustrialized world. I'm, I'm not being as eloquent as I could be. Uh, yeah, it follows Chihiro, a young girl, uh, on her own spirit filled wonderland after moving to a new village. And, uh, her parents get turned into pigs, and so she has to rescue her parents. Her parents get turned into pigs because they eat too much.
1: It's a disturbing scene.
2: It really is. It's horrifying. And I could see if I saw it as a young kid, I don't remember the first time I saw it, but I was not a young kid. And so I wasn't as disturbed by it as I could have been. Yeah. <laughs> Probably if I was a child. Um and there's real stakes in the movie. I mean, uh the like heh, stakes because her her parents <laughs> if they exist too long in that form, they will become pigs and then get eaten. So there's permanent like permanent pigs. Yeah, permanent <laughs> pigs. Um so she has to work in the bathhouse and kind of be patient while they figure out a plan to rescue her
1: parents from overconsumption. Yeah, nice pick. This is definitely one of those roles where it's like, darn. Other roles, it's like, ah, eh, we'll just work with what we get with. But this was <laughs> that was my pick in the two thousand and one movie draft. It was, yeah. Oh, it's, it's my I favorite. Back, it's y'all. I wasn't there for that one. I Yeah, one hundred percent. My favorite Studio Ghibli film. It's so good, and like, it's so iconic. No Face is so good, also mm-hmm. disturbing. Like, I do remember seeing that scene as like a younger person maybe it was even in 2001 maybe which i would have been only seven years old and it was pretty disturbing it was at my aunt's house and i remember that scene distinctly just being like whoa what the f but yeah i remember reading actually uh in the preparation for this draft how that was kind of like a note where they're like yeah we're gonna put in some scary stuff and just let kids be scared (laughs) which i'm like hats off to you all i love it (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> i love it too i think that we should do that with our kids movies we shouldn't treat Scare them as the babies. shit out of them like i don't know i remember a <laughs> lot yeah a lot of kids movies from the 80s and early 90s uh when fox and disney were kind of duking it out um with uh what, michael bluth was that his name the fox animator that what worked at disney and then went to form his own company and made a bunch of classic animated movies
0: are you talking about for dreamworks yeah, like he ended up going to DreamWorks. Yes, not no, Fox. DreamWorks. Um, no, not definitely not Bluth. <laughs> no, no, uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg.
2: Oh man, he I'm, went
0: to DreamWorks and then did Shrek and everything after that.
2: I'm thinking of no. I think I'm thinking of a different guy then. And
0: Katzenberg was the one who was in Disney in the '90s for like the golden age.
2: I think I am thinking of Michael. Anyway, whatever. Okay, hold
0: on, let's look it up.
2: Yeah, I, Michael <laughs> Michael Bloom. Bluth. Bluth. And he created like Troll in Central Park and some other films I forgot the name of, but those are graphic. Some of those are graphic and terrifying, like Secret of Nim. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Oh,
1: yeah, I remember that
2: one. Oh, see, when I look up Michael Bluth, it comes up Arrested Development. Hold up. Uh oh Maybe I'm getting his name wrong. Secret.
1: I was like not saying anything because I was like, dang, I love Arrested Development. Did I not realize this whole time that that name was like a
0: real person? He was saying it and I was... (laughs) I yeah <laughs> hold on secret of nim okay so hold on is the it the, point is is it the director the, Dawn oh, don blue don blue don okay. blue
2: yes there we go
1: the point is these kids today ay <laughs> they need to get the shit scared out of them much
0: younger they do thinking all that talking yes. back to their teachers no cuz then they'll use uh, that as an excuse and be like i'm uh, anxious." That's, in, that's engaging uh <laughs> that's engaging trauma i can't cover that can you give me a content warning? Every,
1: every time you assign me this paper teach, it's reminding me of that movie that scared the ish out of me. Yeah. It's triggering. Can I have, tri- can I have a trigger
0: warning next time, please?
1: Uh, I actually did watch something the other day. I know we're
2: making fun of it, but I did watch something the other day, and I was like, damn, I could have used a trigger warning for that. It had a graphic uh, scene of sexual assault and harassment in it, and I was like, oh, man, I wish I knew that was coming, because that was brutal. That
1: wasn't a kid's movie, right? No. Okay.
2: <laughs> they no. would have
1: gone one step too far. No, 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 no. Yeah, that's, no, <laughs> we don't want to scare the shit out of kids that way. No. Yeah, that movie, Spirited Away, is good, too, because at the end, like, I feel like I get all the symbolism in that one, like, as a little biased. because, you know, sometimes you're watching a movie, and you can tell, like, oh, they're clearly doing a lot with that. I just don't 100% get it. But that movie, like, at the end, it just, like, pulls together in such a nice way, where she's starting to forget her name and then this like um the river spirit that dude that she's talking to the whole time that turns into like the white dragon do you remember what his, what his name was something with an r i want to say oh man i'm effing up right now but he like the whole time they're kind of like leading the protagonist on this road and it's like chihiro what that's her name the yeah. protagonist yeah, yeah. But they're leading the protagonist on the road and they're like, all these characters are like, don't trust him, trust him, don't trust him, trust him. Like, he's kind of this hero or this like figure that's kind of gotten her out of some jams and helped her out. The dragon guy? Yeah. But you don't know whether he's good or not Wait, yet. Wait, is his name And Haku? he's helping out that witch. Haku? I think. I think so. And then at the end, he was the river spirit. He couldn't remember his own name. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's when he yeah, breaks yeah, yeah, free. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a really nice touch. Yeah, really yeah. nice
2: touch. I love in Miyazaki films the use of, um, <clears throat> man, what am I thinking? Shinto folklore. It's so cool. And it's so present in this film. Maybe more so than any of his other films. Mm-hmm. Um, except maybe Princess Mononoke, uh, which we just finished. But yeah. nice. yeah, yeah. So cool. It's so cool. Yeah, it's it's so cool because it's so Japanese and it resonates with like Western audiences. That's what's neat about it. Dope. Yeah.
1: Good pick.
0: Sweet. My pick. I'm going to go with Princess Mononoke. Nice. Uh, and yeah, I'm torn with that. But since there's only three of us, I'm going to try not to sweat it. Good amount of movies to pick. Princess Mononoke. Spoiler alert. If you haven't checked it out, make sure you can check. Make sure you check it out. But it's basically about this this imbalance that's happening because humans are destroying nature, destroying nature for profit, so that they can mine ore. And there's a clear bad person, like there's a clear bad guy in the film, but the it the characters in the village like make it more complicated. It makes the movie more real. Um. Yeah, there's a, of course, it has those classical or those classic Studio Jeeply touches, all the spirits um, in all shapes and forms. There's always this, some kind of traumatic conflict that's going on with a spirit. And this one, dude, this one's brutal. Like the spirit gets its <laughs> head straight chopped off and they put it in a steel bucket yes. and run around with it for about 15 minutes. Damn. The main character, <laughs> the main character's village gets man what's his name uh Ashitaka Ashitaka's tribe gets attacked by this demonic boar in the very beginning of the film he kills it and gets cursed by it so then he get because he's cursed he gets banished from his village and sent to the east cuz he's in the west and he has to go resolve this conflict in the forest and it's like oh dude you're going to die just for saving your sister. That's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> That's cold shit.
3: <laughs>
0: the demons in that in that movie are pretty brutal. And the big white boar is scary as hell, too. Yeah. When no. he, sorry, you go. No, you go. Well,
2: when he meets... Uh, is her name Princess Mononoke? The wolf lady? That's what the people call her, but it's uh, San, San. San? Yeah. Dude, she's like... Got blood on her mouth. Like, I don't know. She's brutal.
0: Yeah, her. <laughs> like, the god, the wolf that is the god, like the leader, had gotten shot. So she's like trying to like suck it out. And so yeah, he runs. He comes up on her, and she's just like sucking blood out the side of this wolf. Like, oh my god, like what? <laughs> and she looks at him and says, "Get out of here, go away." <laughs> blood on her mouth. Yeah, she's spitting it. She's blood in her mouth and spitting it out. Just <sighs> mm.
1: when I was doing the research, it was funny because. Sometimes, you know, you just read a bunch of articles and it's like, that's exactly what I knew and that was a waste of my time or they're like off base. This one that I somewhat across kept like summarizing things are like, oh yeah, I kind of noticed that but I didn't really like put words to it and they were saying that that one was one of their most like complex narrative structures where sometimes they're so busy setting up the world and like this fantasy is a kind of like this integral part which, you know, a lot of like kids movies will have that as like, the protagonists are going through something and imagination can be like a form of escapism. And then in these movies, it's like a little bit more important than that. This one, like right off the bat is like, Oh yeah, they're jumping into this like narrative. And there's like the plot. I felt like in that movie hit way harder, faster. Like there's issues that need to be solved. Let's go. You know what I mean? Like instead of some movies where they're setting up a long time and then kind of like, I don't know. There's like a more, reflective introspective like character who's dealing with a problem that's a little less like concrete and like a tangible thing this is or intangible thing this is like oh yeah (laughs) character right off the bat it's like oh we got a problem like there's a poison in my arm like (laughs) so yeah and it also said it was like one of the angrier ones i liked it right away i thought that one was like political right off the bat Mm -hmm. where it's like oh dang well, especially yes.
2: since what caused the boar to pass on that curse in the first place was a bullet that was infecting it. So it's like man industrializing, taking over nature is actually poisoning. It's having not just direct impacts, but also like indirect, like long term impacts on even like deities, which is crazy. Um, yeah, I don't know. And also then, spoiler alert, is it resolved at the end with his curse? Because he looks down at his hand and there's you, there's still a little bit there
0: right so it see i always just interpret that as like a scar cuz it was so much lighter but when he had the curse there was never a spot where it was light it was always dark when mm-hmm. it spread it was still dark and then the dark would just cut off i just kind of took it as a scar
2: i guess i don't know if it's a scar then does that symbolize how like man's impact on nature on the natural
0: world can scars never. can well i mean think about what happens to the god in the end the god ends up getting his head cut off searching for the head head gets given back instead of it becoming its its like physical form it blows up and everything starts to grow right and everything was damaged and destroyed so think about his skin his skin was all damaged and destroyed and then just like nature it can heal like mm-hmm. it's like scar tissue like there's history underneath that new growth but it can regrow.
2: Yeah, you can't forget it, but you can start again.
0: Yeah, and Princess Mononoke says something along those lines, like, "Oh, cool! Bas- <laughs> let me westernize it. Look at it. look at all this cool grass that just grew, but the trees are still gone. So it's kind of along those lines. Like that's kind of the scar there. There's no more trees in that area because they cut them all down to run the ore processing." Like to keep the furnace going. So, but then you're also left to think about the villagers in, in the film uh, at Irontown because they were just good people. They were just good people working. They had good jobs. They were respected where they were. They're what? just doing their thing. Yeah. One thing I like about all the Studio Ghibli films, this one included, is just like the elevation of their female characters. It's mm-hmm. like always powerful, always respected Uh and the, and the few characters that disrespect them, like they really get it. (laughs) Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I pulled up this one quote uh, from Miyazaki that was talking about that. Like uh, just the reason why they have, you know, the studio Ghibli films, like super strong, you know, female protagonists oftentimes and just characters like this intentional, like from the get go. So it was cool. It was cool. It was like definitely like pretty like intentional feminist story writing from the studio. So Mm -hmm. it's dope to see.
2: Yeah, it is. And also the complexity of their characters too, beyond that, you know, there, there is a clear, you're right, clear antagonist, right. In this film, but generally even the antagonists are just flawed people, you know, who you can find some sort of likable element in. Like I'm thinking of spirited away specifically, with not not to just elevate not and that's not to elevate just as it's the closest example i can think of where it's like oh yeah like even the people who you think <laughs> we're
0: literally talking about this film the closest thing i can think of is the last film we just talked about uh, i'm sorry i'm being a dick all uh, good hey it's all good that's the that's the point yeah you can make your case <laughs> later it's, yeah no, I'm, I'm joking you can say whatever i'm joking
2: they're just they're people they're people people are generally unless you're a sociopath people are generally have some likable qualities and some flaws
1: mm-hmm. yes definitely definitely for my pick of the round the first one i love spirited away there's so much hesitation here. won Oh, I know exactly what I'm going with. It's a drum roll. My neighbor out. Totoro. This, once again, this article I read was so funny. It was like, oh, yeah, I vibe with that. They called this one the Gateway Studio Ghibli <laughs> film. And I was like, that it was the gateway drug. That's what Marjorie and I got into. We saw it at, uh, like, Northgate at, like, an actual movie theater. Um, yeah, and it was just, like, super charming. The score was fantastic. Yeah. Um, once again, kind of talking about like that fantasy, they like integrate it in, uh, or like that imagination part, like they integrate it a little bit more than just like escapism. Cause the two like main girls in it, like their mother's really sick. And then like, they just move. So there's a little bit of that as well. Um, but it kind of just becomes like a little bit more of like this fantasy and this, like all this, like, you know, magical stuff going on. It's like something you can't control what is really essential to their life. And some of the characters are iconic. I mean, geez, like seeing Totoro stuff to this day—onesies, little like figurines, people with shirts—it's all over the place. So definitely, I need Matt in the room for that, like classic. It's like <laughs> thinking well, Totoro is like the face of yeah. the studio. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they have the freaking cat bus. The thing was cute as f. Yep. Love that cat bus. (laughs) My dad rented
2: that for me when I was a kid. That's like, I started with that shit. That's what got (laughs) me (laughs) bus.
3: That's
1: what I thought too. I was like, you lucky bitch. (laughs) Cruising cruising around St. Louis in cat bus. (laughs) That would be great. I didn't realize that we had the halves on the other side of the table. Ben and I are (laughs) living a normal childhood with no cat buses.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, I remember getting it from Blockbuster. My neighbor Totoro was super awesome.
1: Nice. Yeah that's definitely one of those movies too. like, I think the movies as a whole, like thinking about like a lot of like stylistic things that they do, they'll, they're really fine with like sitting in moments. Like they don't rush out a scene sometimes. Like there won't be a lot happening, but more of like a tone or just like, we're really kind of setting up like what's going on internally for these characters. So like, even when they're at that, that bus stop waiting a long time and they're just like with the umbrella like the older sister, Totoro, like it lasts a long time. Same thing with your Spirited Away movie. Like when No-Face and Shahiro are on that train going through the water, like Studio Ghibli just kind of sits with it. Like they're really just like letting mm-hmm. the tone of the scene play out and like kind of letting it all sink in, which I wish I had like more creative film analysis to break down exactly why they do that. But I just really appreciate that and it like seems a very intentional thing and in that movie this movie it seems like there's a lot of that too. It's a lot of that like world creating is really good. Um, it's fun. It's a good like entry point into the studio. I feel like I feel like there's a lot of like <laughs> I'm thinking about Marjorie. Marjorie loves the the wholesomeness of Studio Ghibli. These kids are very good kids. Maybe because they haven't been scared yet. In this movie, <laughs> unlike *Spirited Away*, maybe they needed more. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Doctor Rowe just jumps out with a mean face. No, but in all seriousness, like there's a lot of like really sweet wholesomeness to the stories, like the relationships, the familial stuff, kind of going back to like a lot of the hallmarks of the studio too, like this interplay with like man and nature as well. Like there's a lot of those scenes when they're like exploring their mm-hmm. new house and they have those little like dust mites that come out. So it's just a really, really charming film. And I feel like it is one of those, it's the face of the studio. So it's got to be picked
2: earlier than later. I think it's also interesting showing the single, like he's not a single parent, but essentially for all per, the intents and purposes at that time in his life, he is a single mm-hmm. working parent, you know, and, and it's a dad. It's not a mom. Yep. Normally let's be real. It's normally a mom, right? Yep. In our minds, probably, and and it's a dad in this film, and that that's another example of Studio Ghibli just kind of flipping, I think, that narrative on its head, mm-hmm. which is pretty interesting. Um, I don't know, I, I love that, and and as far as like going to sitting with a moment, I think that just allows you to absorb the like the surroundings, the environment where these people are existing. Like in Princess Mononoke, where everything turned, like all the barren, desolate earth that has been scorched and absolutely desecrated by, by just removing trees to burn in a furnace it and seeing it slowly and gradually turn to grasslands is a beautiful and meaningful moment. Um, and they let you absorb that. They, they trust the viewer that they will enjoy that moment um and sit with it which is cool
1: yeah and last thing i'll say about totoro before moving on to the next round exiting our first round is if i'm remembering right that last scene is with the mom in the hospital bed like they travel to the hospital it's at least towards the end of the movie and i don't remember them ever really like fully clearing that up like what happens with her or like it's not like one of those movies where it's like oh yeah there's a happy ending like
2: didn't they say oh she's coming home I thought that's what they said, but I guess it's not clear if she's coming home because she's better or if she's coming home to die.
1: I don't think they ever like fully resolve like she's fully healed or anything yet. If I'm remembering right. Ben, do you remember? Say that one more time. As I remember, like the movie ends in that scene where she's in the hospital bed. Like they don't really ever have like that moment, like in other movies that they might be like, Oh, mom's all better. Woo. She's coming home. Woo. Woo.
0: I'm glad that we made it through, little sis. Yeah. I mean, it seems like that's actually pretty... Con- if I mean, we're obviously going to talk about more films, but that comes up a lot in Ghibli films too. This kind of cliffhanger ending or lack of resolution right at the end. You're left to kind of almost formulate your own ending, like, what just happened? Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's a, the way they... A lot of times, the way it's done, it makes you really think more about the movie as it its whole part. You know what I mean? They're not trying to wrap it up for you. They want you to think about the events that led to that point and make your own judgment, make your own call. Yes,
1: definitely. All right, I'm pulling it up now.
2: And that is emblematic because Miyazaki's mom actually suffered from spinal tuberculosis, which I don't know if they specify that that's what it is in the film, but in another film, um, the wind rises, I think. The the wife in that film also suffers from tuberculosis, I believe, and mm. so that's a re- recurring theme as well in his films, um, is like a loved one being sick or ill. Damn, brutal.
0: Well, Dustin, way to way to pick the. The face of Ghibli. <laughs> Way to go with the
1: obvious one, Dustin.
0: <laughs> no, Mr. Franchise, so you had to do
1: it. Yep, I had to do it. And I'm in the wraparound, it feels like, right there in Matt's spot. Oh, yeah. All right, well, ad
0: time. We got a douche canoe ad, y'all.
1: Mount Draftmore. Are you a scumbag? A troll? A good old-fashioned douche canoe? <laughs> Do you like posting rude shit online or being an all-around dick to people well do i have a solution for you let me introduce you to hobbies hobbies are great they give you shit to do that actually makes you feel good hell some hobbies actually help the world become better so next time you feel like being a major asshole don't find a hobby paid for by the
2: citizens against royal douche canoes
0: I guess it was douche canoes. You're right. <laughs> or I guess it wasn't douche canoes. It's hobbies. Yeah. Get a hobby. Get a hobby. <coughs>
2: this is our hobby.
0: Yeah, this is our hobby. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule to listen to our hobby. Round two. Dustin, you have the right ra- back in the wraparound. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right. I know not everyone in the studio loves this one, but this one has a special spot in my heart because... Well, we don't vote in the studio anymore. Yep, exactly. So, hence, I'm plowing forward with this one. Huzzah! You uh, just have to convince everyone else. the
0: colonies! Else.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, I said
0: I have a special soft spot in my heart for Kiki's Delivery Service ah! because... Like slept, that one's slept on, but I remember in grade school, we used to always watch that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Speaking of, like strong female
0: characters. Uh, I just Kiki's watched witch, that the other day. It's,
1: dope. it's like, yes. Oh my gosh. And like the whole broomstick and the cat, super charming. The reason why I said it has a soft spot in my heart is that, uh, my partner's brother was in a play, a performance of that play. And it was super cute. And it was fun to see how people did like, uh, the actor who played the cat did an amazing job, which is like always kind of fun to see like someone really have to take on an animal character. And it was a pretty like, not like super low production, but it wasn't like they didn't rely on all the like, you know, outfitting and costume design. It was just like pure acting. It was also the play. We're talking about scaring kids. I made two kids cry in that play. <laughs> yes.
3: <laughs> you eat that,
1: kids. Yeah. You enjoy that. It was like this children's theater and there was these two kids who were just like slamming and like laughing and like hitting each other and they're like hitting these bleachers or like metal bleachers. They're loud as F the whole time the whole play. And it went through at least half of the play. And these parents were not doing anything. Just a little, Oh, stop. Oh, stop it. Oh, stop. I was just like, no, 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 no. I've worked in childcare long enough. You got to give them two options. We can either sit through this quietly or we need to leave.
0: You can sit down quietly. We can walk out,
1: like walk out with the kid, like leave the theater for a second. You can come back in. It wasn't like the kind of theater where they lock the doors and be like, So in theater, you have to be quiet. Are you ready to go back in? Like, you can't just let that play out. Those kids need to be shut up. All of a sudden, they're like banging, and then they kind of bumped into me, and I just turned like stern face, no expression. You can't do that. And the kid and I like locked eyes on the whole and I even after I got done <laughs> saying that, locked eyes. The kid started bursting out in tears big time. Oh, and then they left when they were in full on tears. I felt bad for about a moment, but then the rest of the Wait. audience after the play was like, Thank you for doing that. Those Did kids you know so the annoying. child? Nope. Stranger kid made them
2: <laughs> Oh, that's such a special moment.
1: Yes. I love that.
2: Dude, sometimes though, as adults, you have to tell a child not to do something because their yes. parent is not stepping in to do it. Exactly. Exactly.
1: But this one's really sweet. Uh, It ends right with that kind of like nice climax talking about, Oh, ones that leave a lot of things up to view or like are not really anticlimactic, but are like a lot more of this like inner, they do a good job of like a inner emotional journey for a character. Like a lot of the like plot arc is really around like the character development, which is a really great part of the studio. This one, there is that airship accident so Dombo is hanging precariously from it, and Kiki had that moment in the film where they like lose their power, which as a kid, time that the main character loses their power, it was
0: devastating. Yes, right? Yeah She's so like,
1: no. Fucking get it together, Kiki. Let's go.
0: Because as a kid, you're like, oh no, they're just like, like me. Now, now you're basic. <laughs> now you are basic. <laughs> we are screwed.
2: <laughs> no, dude, and her power was so. I mean, you know, as a kid, like, what's the power you want to fly?
0: Yeah, right yeah. to fly. <laughs> that, oh, we broke that down. Yeah, in <laughs> superpowers, you like flying.
1: Flashback. Mm.
0: Good but yeah, back. kids are dumb. Yeah, so yeah, <laughs>
1: but regaining her confidence and her powers. She saves the day, which is that flipping the script just like Dylan talked about, right? Where it's like, okay, this is not the damsel in distress woman of the story who needs to figure this out. No. This is a badass teenage girl who's solving shit and doing things. And the cat, fantastic good comedy relief. Who doesn't love the cat? I don't know. This movie be just classic.
2: But the ending, it always leaves me mixed because she can't talk to her cat anymore. Why? True. Because that's well. At least I interpret it as it being symbolic for her growing up. Like mm. she's grown up now. She can't talk to her cat anymore. That damn it! I, damn I new society. Yeah, <laughs> like it sucks. I don't know. I they had a special bond and relationship, and it's just different after that. Mm. So that always gets me a little bit. I think because I mean I don't know. Let's be like, it's like losing your ability to play make believe when you when you're a kid you're like one day you maybe it just happens gradually i don't know i don't remember the day i i stopped doing that but like one day you stop doing it in the way a kid does it and you start doing it in maybe other creative ventures like mm-hmm. writing or something
1: right see and in my mind i'm like maybe that's powerful there because here you are in as an adult just watching it and you're still having that emotional response to that scene cuz that like harkens back to a bit of like peter pan ish even though peter pan was (laughs) really interesting like novel did you ever read that novel sidebar uh no but i have i've read some breakdowns of it yeah it's pretty weird but at least that whole like growing up part right losing that imagination or like kind of that aspect of your kid i remember feeling sad throwing away old stuff being like man i used to love this as a kid i feel like a loss so i mean starts off her going to that brand new city and having to make it and that super reliance on others, right? Like she's, I mean, dang, she's definitely just migrated to a new city as a teenage girl, (laughs) a brand new witch. And this is like, Oh no. So then, you know, she gets taken into that one bakery spot, living upstairs, relying on all these other people and kind of growing in her own confidence and her own independence. And then, yeah, not being able to talk to the cat anymore. I guess that's just like that adult theme, I guess. Like, her continuing to grow up and become more independent and losing a little bit of that. I
0: don't know. A little less innocence and a little more depressive.
1: (laughs) 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 Adulthood. Can we just
2: give her props for being such a hustler, though? Oh, my God. Hustles. (laughs) She got it.
1: Hell, yeah. Anyways, that's my pick. I was definitely like, the first couple rounds didn't know how they were going to go, but that's my favorite one. That's still on the board,
2: I believe. That was the second Ghibli film I ever saw. Nice. Second one, it was. Uh,
1: that was another blockbuster hit.
0: I think that was the first one I saw.
1: Yes, mine was. I think that was the second one actually. I saw. Now that I think about it. I think it was. So, well, maybe not. Interesting. So for most
2: people, maybe not all, but maybe maybe Totoro and Kiki's Delivery Service are some like of the gateway. I don't know. That's interesting. What are the most? I got the gateway
1: team. What are the most? Y'all gonna get hooked? <laughs> New listeners out there who have never seen these movies. Yeah. Yeah. Pick my team and get hooked.
2: Or maybe that depends on like <laughs> how old you are. Like if you were born after Spirited Away, maybe Spirited Away is your gateway.
1: I don't know. If you were born before, join my team and get hooked. <laughs> <laughs> you want to try a little Ghibli, man? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Why try a little giblet? I got them giblets. Come get some. (laughs) I got two bags of (laughs) giblet. Four hours of entertainment right here, son. (laughs) Four hours of entertainment, bag of giblet. Four hours of entertainment is two bags of (laughs) giblet. I guess, yeah. That's the unit breakdown. Each one's a dime bag. (laughs)
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> for the blu-ray see and <laughs> now kiki's grown up that whole story now we're talking about getting hooked oh my god <laughs> Dude, i mean she's got to relying on adults in the beginning finding her own identity she's got to find her niche that character development and then boom now we're talking now she's selling drugs now <laughs> now i'm selling jeep <laughs> and everybody when i get down to the Make my case. You know that's just gonna be my ten second make my case. Let's <laughs> use the whole time. I'm the, I'm the gateway <laughs> the
0: gateway team.
1: <laughs> Woop whoop.
0: Yeah, when she gets into college, what is uh
3: <laughs>
2: what
0: is her delivery service like then? Uh, <laughs> there we go. Oh
1: come on,
2: Kiki.
0: That's that sequel that's ready to come out. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> People don't want that sequel. They're scared of that sequel. Kiki G- G- goes to college. He goes to college. And you know what? If they did it nowadays, she'd be all busty, not wearing oh anything. Gosh. It'd be real anime-like, super All like, the purists would be like, They'd be like, this no! is a shame. This is a shame. <laughs> That's one of the things that makes Ghibli films so great is it keeps it. They I don't mean, all sexualize. Things, I was going to say it keeps it pretty realistic, but we have like, cat people and talking <laughs> pigs and so maybe not realistic but yeah you're right it it's it, not sexualized
1: that's not what the female characters are like driven by or even like a main component of their character because it is weird even like today another little sidebar don't you find it a little weird when people are like oh i'm so proud of them like my daughter or my sister they're so beautiful it's like wow so if you had an ugly sister or daughter, like, <laughs> what a shame. you are just like working the whole time to regain your like acceptance. Like what? <laughs> That's a weird thing in society. But no one ever says that about me. They're not like, oh, he's so handsome. Well, except unless, unless they're like grandparents and that kind of thing. you are so handsome. <laughs> no, it's a very it's usually thing. secondary. Bring me right? those yes. cheeks, it's dusty very...
0: buns.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Beauty yeah. is prized. And prized an RSS. Did I say that like that? What? Pri- prized. <laughs> I don't know.
0: <laughs> I'm saying it like that. Sorry. <laughs> it, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, there's biology to wanting some someone that's attractive. It's gonna pass on your seed <laughs> later true. on.
2: So Ben's like, like it's bring it on. A, it's Lizard brain. Main point. When a- Ghibli- brain. Ape brain. Studio Ghibli is going to grow up someday And stop scaring the shit out of kids Start scaring the shit out of parents Oh well I don't know
0: about that <laughs> <laughs> Parents just keep They're addicted just like their kids So they're not going to get scared They'll just That's fall true. into the metaverse oh, my Meta.
1: Sorry, I like that right now Ben is not at the table But at a side table With all his equipment So it's like, us like yeah yeah They're desexualized and like you know it's secondary and in our society, blah, blah, blah. And then off to the side, yeah, but people want a tractor. <laughs> <Like, laughs> off in the dark corner. <laughs> like
0: lizard brain. <laughs> lizard brain. People
1: want a bone.
0: People do want a bone. And Me, what's yeah.
2: weird is parents, when they value like the beauty of the kids, that just secretly means they want their kids to bone and pass it, on See, their it's seed. even
1: more weird. That's what I'm talking about. It's just like a weird <laughs> statement that is never fully... it's never fully made sense that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying although i did have a cousin who was like oh yeah or so my cousin's kid she's like oh he wants to get an anime but i i tried to watch it in ahead of time like to screen it you know those anime boobies (laughs) oh
0: yeah there are characters that consistently get nosebleeds because just they get they see big titties, and they're like, oh, my yeah. God.
2: Looking at you, Master Roshi. Well, when, I know when you saw Balma's teenage boobies, you got that <laughs> nosebleed.
0: Oh, multiple times. And then somehow they're falling from the sky upside down. <laughs> I was
1: kind of weirded out, I'm not going to lie, when my, like, eight-year-old little niece is suggesting My Hero Academia to me, and then all times I'm just like, oh, dang, there's a lot of like really weird, like sexual stuff in here. Like that one guy who like has the like sticky things on his head. Yeah, he's He's like the purple guy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, huh, this is a little odd for her to be suggesting to me. But hey, here we are. I'm just going to focus on the other parts. Yeah. And talk to her about that.
2: Hey, you know what? I mean, but uh, hey, I don't know. You know what? I'm not going to judge.
0: Whatever. I'm not going to judge. I didn't really have
1: any censorship at home when I was a kid, so I won't judge either. I watched kind of everything.
0: Yeah, same. You know, the only thing that I got
1: that I got pulled away from was, like, Godfather murder scene about to happen, and they're like, you no, know, <laughs> maybe you should step into the other room for a second. What, like, your parents don't want to
2: see someone get geroated?
1: <laughs> they didn't want me to see it, but everything else, yeah, I had, like, no censorship. Uh, real, I was the fun house. <laughs>
0: no kid, censorship. I, <laughs> yeah.
2: Before we started the podcast, before you came over, Dustin... Uh, Anisha and I were talking and Ben about how my mom's idea of a family movie night was to put on the Thomas Crown Affair. <laughs> Which definitely has boobies in it. <laughs> I was a kid when I saw that shit.
1: boo, <laughs> boobie, boobie, boobie loobie, and, and here you go. The power of boobies. We went on a long tangent. Ben has not picked. Kiki's delivery service happened about five minutes ago. <laughs>
0: We're still talking about it. It's okay. We are talking about if Kiki goes to college. And that was the first thing that was. We didn't even get into what Kiki goes to college could look like. Right. Just like, yep, they are She got big titties. Not the major. Not. Nope. <laughs> she would be selling drugs with big tits. Cool. Probably yoga pants. And she'd be talking to cats, but not because, the, uh, not like in the first movie, you know what I'm saying? A
1: room full of purists here. <laughs> she, she'd be chasing,
0: she'd be talking to cats and chasing dragons.
1: Mm, dark. <laughs> yep. Dark. Ben, what's your pick in the second round? <laughs>
0: Taking the dark twist here. I briefly mentioned this movie during the war movies, <clears throat> but I didn't draft in the war movies. A grave of the Fireflies. Oh, damn. Yeah, heavy movie. Takes place in 1945. Uh, a teenage teenage boy and his little sister are in Kobe, Japan, and their house gets firebombed. So then they are orphaned because their mom dies from severe burns. And they have to move to go live with this distant aunt. And the movie, like, from the kid's perspective, it's kind of like, they're on, like, an adventure, Right. But really, like World War Two is happening around them, and in Japan they were super nationalists. Like mm-hmm. they had very, like they were very tight together. They were very unified as a country. Um, so, and they really thought they were going to win. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're going through all of this crazy ass shit. They end up leaving because they're abused by their aunt, and then. They basically both just kind of waste away. And it's a sad movie. Like, the sister ends up getting ill because she's, malnutri- like, she's malnourished. And then the boy eventually also dies because he's malnourished. Damn. Yeah, dude. And That's it's called right. Grave of the Fa- Fireflies because in the end, like, their spirits meet back up. And they go to this hill that overlooks, like, modern-day Kobe. And it's, like, there are fireflies there. Dang. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean that's wow. a that's a really like concise <laughs> breakdown of what happens, but it's it's like a hundred, it's like an hour twenty two minutes or some shit. Wow! But it's it has a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow! Dang! Like it's a it's a good good sad one. Yeah. And a, and it's it's obviously an anti war film. When you watch mm-hmm. it, it's like okay, this is what war actually looks like. This is what it does to kids, and like here and during the film at one point like. I think before his sister dies, he finds out that the Japanese have surrendered. And he's just shook, distraught, like, what we were supposed to win. Like, how could this happen? And so, like, the trauma of losing your family, the trauma of feeling like you're losing your nation, and even though the war has ended, everything around you is still burning down. There's no one supporting you. And it's like, you're a child, but people around you aren't helping you. Yeah, Like, you're...
1: Yeah. That's pretty that's pretty cool. I definitely have to watch that one. Nineteen eighty eight. Yep. So it is barely forty years after the end of the war. Like if you were ten at the end of the war, you're like a fifty something year old, like fifty three year old. Yeah.
0: Damn. Wow. I know. That'd be like heavy hitting. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Dude, no. the the fucking brother cremates his own little sister after she Woo! dies. And then carries her ashes in a tin.
1: I got the gateway fun team. You got
0: the sad political team. <laughs> I know. I got, <laughs> I did. I got the like deep shitty messages like, team. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: but I like it actually because that's usually like, I don't know. You know me. That's like usually the films I'm drawn to. So I need to watch that one stat.
0: Well, see, and I watch a lot of. I watch a lot of animated stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I love just animated genres as a, in a, as a whole. And so when I get to see movies that are so outside of what normal animation or what like a typical animated film or animated series is, Mm -hmm. it just stands out. So stuff like this is like, oh, wow, what a message.
1: Yeah. Damn. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Because they don't have to. Like if you're an animation studio who's doing like mostly things appealing to all ages and like imaginative fun characters talking animals you don't really have to go political. Like, I mean, obviously a lot of the films have a lot of themes and are commenting on like much deeper things than just like, Oh yeah, we're going to have fun. But like you said, it stands out because it's like, you don't have to, you don't have to go into that lane. You could easily stay in your own little fun happen lane. Hell yeah. Yeah. Nice. Good pick. That is
2: a really good pick. Honestly, hard to follow it up considering like the whimsical nature of a lot of a lot of uh, G- Studio Ghibli films. Um, I'm going to follow it up, though, kind of in a similar theme. Uh, just it is whimsical, though, and not nearly as, like, heart-wrenching. Uh, Howl's Moving Castle, which is a very clear anti-war film as well, an anti-violence film in general, and uh, was reportedly created by Miyazaki in response to the Iraq War, which he opposed. Um, so it's set in a fictional kingdom where both magic and early 20th century technology are prevalent against the backdrop of a war with another kingdom. The film tells the story of a young content milliner named Sophie, who is turned into an old woman by a witch who enters her shop and curses her. She encounters a wizard named Hal and gets caught up in his resistance to, uh, fighting for the King. And what I love about this is, um, when she finds his, I forget how it goes. It's been like, I think I watched it about a year ago, but she finds his shop. I want to say like you see his castle moving. And it's very mysterious, right? And his castle is almost like a character in and of itself. And it's so crazy how it's like a combination of magic and also like industry. Again, those themes, not just opposing each other in this film, but almost like intertwining. Um, and, and, uh, Hall like has this symbiotic existence with his castle as a magician. And I feel like she wanders into his shop one day. Maybe that's not how it goes down. Maybe she's like rescued by him. I can't remember. Um, but it's really, it's just an awesome film. Um, and also, you know, saying like talking about beauty, right? How do we judge beauty? It's usually by age, right? There's a lot of ageism in our society. Like older women, dude, like, mm-hmm. yeah. how often do you see an older woman in a movie or something?
0: It's funny because we were watching Jumanji yesterday and we were talking about Bonnie Hunt because she de- you don't see her in a lot of movies anymore, like physically. Mm-hmm. But she does a lot of animated stuff. And I was saying that to Anisha, like, oh, she made a good pivot because she got to that age where Hollywood's like, oh, you know what, you're getting too old. Mm-hmm. You're not technically like what we consider attractive to the masses. Like, we can't sell you as that symbol like you're you're too much of a mom or a grandma. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there are better people for that old role. But she moves she moves into a lane where it's like, oh, her voice hasn't changed. She still sounds young and she plays in so many different anime features, but you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The We're- older you get as a woman, you just get kicked to the side.
2: Yeah, versus men, you know, I mean Dude, like older men, men can have careers in Hollywood until the day they die. Yeah, realistically, <laughs> yeah. which is you can be an old ass diaper wearing man and like, like be in Hollywood mm-hmm. as long as you can like read a script.
1: Diaper man. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of that comes down to how much do you make beauty a core part of your identity. Because like, as us three and everyone in the audience is aging, we all age. But like, when you hit a certain point. It's like, how heavy do you, or how hard do you take certain things? Like whether your hair is thinning or what, you know, more wrinkles, something like we're all going to get to that point. And if you've made a core part of who you are, how beautiful you are. And we just talked about how much that's done more to women and men is more of a secondary thing. Like, Oh yeah. they're Very handsome. But like maybe you listed first, how loyal they are, how brave, how smart, all these other qualities, that are not age dependent. So that just sucks. I mean, you can see how people take it personally too, or like have a hard time aging. Cause it's like, what a effed up thing to like define you based on something that's super like limited and going away fast. Cause we all age. Like you can't always have a 20 year old body and face. It's fucked up. It is fucked up. That's so true. Yeah.
2: Time's going to get us all. Anyway, this is an amazing movie. <clears throat> um, Yeah, I don't know. Miyazaki, I've got a quote from him. Uh, In 2013, Miyazaki said the film was his favorite creation, explaining, I wanted to convey the message that life is worth living, and I don't think that's changed. And that's coming from, at that time, an older gentleman, Mm -hmm. right? So, I don't know. Even in an old age, he's saying life is very much so worth living, um, even in the midst of what, like, clearly... In the towns and cities, they're completely removed from, from the war, but you do get a few glimpses when you see from Hal's perspective like what he's going into, mm. right? It's a very dangerous, horrifying conflict. And when he comes back through that door, it's like it's gone, right? So I don't know. I think for a lot of people around the world who are not veterans, um, that is probably their experience as well, unless they're like living through a refugee crisis or a civil war or something, right? you Your troops go off to war. You're at home. You're doing your daily thing, and it's it's almost not happening, right? It's like magic.
1: Yeah. Dang. Did you already mention? Sorry if I didn't hear this, but I pulled up that apparently it was in response specifically to the Iraq War. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Miyazaki was pissed about that. Yeah. Go in. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so yeah, Get I, I love yeah. that movie.
1: Heck okay. yeah! That's the one with the little fire guy, right? Yeah, he's so (laughs) cute. Yeah, yeah. Don't let him die. Don't let him go out. Yes.
0: Great pick, great pick, y'all. Halftime time, time, half, half time time, time time time. Time. Half half, half time. You know what that's for? It's a stat alert. That's what we're going to – at halftime, you go over stats. Yeah. Right? That's what you do. In the first half, we had <laughs> – in the first half, first pick, we had spirited it away, taken away by Dylan. Now, what a pick that was. It was absolutely crazy.
1: But let me pull out a stat for you. The highest mentions of boobies goes to Ben. Ben, the <laughs> highest mention of boobies. But the biggest drug pusher in the room was Dustin with a clear drug talking time of 10 minutes and 32 seconds. Can he
0: keep it going in the second half? We'll, we'll only tell with time. The podcast has been going for 55 minutes. If you only have 10 minutes of talk time between three of us, you might be in last. No, I said of drug specifically. <laughs> oh, of drug talk. <laughs> you win. That is a win. Spirited Away was that first pick, and 95% like on that movie. That's a pretty cool stat. $395 million in the box office. Ooh. Cha-ching. Cha-ching. The budget was one point nine to two billion yen. It's fifteen to nineteen point two million dollars. Hmm. It won a bunch of awards. What awards did it win? Academy Award for Best Animated Feature Film in two thousand two, two thousand one, two thousand two. Mmm. Those are some
1: cool stats for
0: that first pick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Princess Mononoke was number two. Let's see. Fun stats. <clears throat> 94% like this movie. Oh, 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. Box office won $23.5 budget. Damn. Cost more and made less. Came out in 99. When did Spirited Away come out? 2001? Yeah. Yeah, because Dustin picked it in the 2001 draft. Dummy. <laughs> 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 Uh. <laughs> Totoro came out in 88 94% both in Rotten Tomatoes and liking the movie Box office 41 million I don't even remember how much I just said Mononoke made Oh 167 Damn Totoro, Totoro did shitty at the box uh, office Wow wild. what a floop Wild 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 that it's
1: the face <laughs> I wonder They're why like, they did that Let's take it. Instead this.
0: of
2: no face Dude, but Let's, so many of my students have Totoro backpacks. Know, so many shit.
1: Oh, so
0: many. So maybe so it made it back in merchandise? I don't know. So check this out. Okay. So Kiki's delivery service, fourth pick, ninety eight percent on rotten tomatoes. Ooh, yeah. And ninety four percent through Google users. Four point three billion yen. I don't know what the conversion of that is. Someone else can look it up. I got they it. They want to. I got it. I'm not being told. It's not telling. It's not telling me how that much would be thirty-seven
2: million, seven hundred fifty thousand, seven hundred fifty-seven dollars and eighty cents.
0: Wait, what did? What'd you just look up? Uh,
2: four point three. What is it? Four point three billion yen.
0: Yeah, how much was that? Thirty-seven, almost thirty-eight million dollars. Okay, cool. And the budget for that was six point nine million. But that's a universally loved one, Dustin. Good job. Yes. Fist pump, yes. <laughs> Which movie was that? <laughs> You're talking about Kiki's, Kiki's. right? Kiki's, Kiki's. delivery sauce. Ah. Yes. Kiki, I love you.
1: Cha-cha. <laughs> yes. Yes. cha-cha-cha.
0: Uh, Grave of the Fireflies. Five hundred and sixteen thousand dollars. For the budget or for the That's how much it made in the box office. It didn't make hard it didn't even make a million dollars. I'm not taking my kid to see that. Yeah, that's like a sad, it's a super sad movie. I'm not even going to see that. I'll watch it at home. <laughs> I'm not even going to see that. <laughs> I'm not crying in front of those strangers. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why it's so low, though. Hmm. I don't remember it ever coming out. So it came out in 93, it says. even that's though why. It says it was released in 88, but then in 93 over here. Interesting. Oh, Wait. Disney never had North American distribution rights, so it didn't get distributed the same way. Oh, well, maybe that's why it didn't do great. You know what? It's a good movie. Don't <laughs> let the stats fool you. <laughs> it's a, it's a good movie. The last one is the House Castle, right? Yeah, T-
2: two thousand
0: four. Two thousand four is that the newest one? Made a yeah.
2: hundred ninety million Japan, two hundred thirty six mi- two hundred thirty six million worldwide. Damn. Okay, One of the most financially successful <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Japanese films in history.
0: Talking about a star-studded cast of two people, Billy Crystal and Christian Bale. <laughs> Whoop. <laughs> Whoop.
3: <laughs>
0: Those are heavy hitters. Those are some stats. Yeah, if, yeah. if stats influence your picks, there's some for you. <laughs> yeah. You won't get stats for the second half picks. Just letting you know. All right, well. Thanks for listening to the halftime. Let's get into this third round. Do we need to do a recap since we just did fact? No, I think we're good. Yeah, yeah we're good. forget that. Round three. Forget you, listener. You already know. Pay attention. <laughs> Dylan, third pick.
2: Oh, I feel unprepared for this one. Uh, okay.
0: <laughs> now he's like, all right, time to just go off the research. And by research, I mean the Google. Yeah. Uh,
2: <laughs> I'm going with one I watched recently, Porco Rosso. I watched it for the first time. Um, you know, people have been talking it up. I always thought it looked weird because the dude with the pig head, um, but, and it ended up being weird, but, uh, I love it. So, uh, <coughs> it's an action adventure film. Um, and I guess Michael Keaton plays Porco Rosso, another star studded adventure, <laughs> 1992 <laughs> film. Um, so let's see, when does this take place? World war one.
0: Yeah. World war one. He's mm. a pilot. Hold up. Oh yeah. Okay. Go for it. Yeah. Cause I watched it too. And I was like, Ooh, yeah. yeah. I I really wanted to get it cause I wanted to talk about it, but go for it. You talk about it and then I'll talk about it.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, I just have a little bit to say like, and we'll play off each other, but like, uh, Porco Rosso, he's a pilot. He's a dude with a pig's head. Everyone else is a human in the film. And he is a bounty hunter hunting pirates Like in planes though. That's the catch. They're not sea pirates. They are pirates using these ridiculous planes in world war one. Europe. Uh, specifically in the Adriatic Sea I believe mm-hmm. um which like wow that made me want to go visit it even more like that looks beautiful when there's not sea pirates um yeah kind of a whimsical adventure porco rosso takes on a young protege in the film a young girl
0: yep a young engineer
2: yep uh again and like people like initially he doesn't want to either he's like well, young girl working on my plane i don't think so but you know, she's, She beats him over the head, and she's like, uh, you're, uh, you're going to let me work on your plane. And and then she works the pirates. They all love her. Um, the only complaint I have about this film, but you know what? It's also a strength, like Ben pointed out earlier with Miyazaki films, or Studio Ghibli films, sorry, is at the end, they kind of leave it up to your imagination as to what happens. Um, they narrate part of it, And you think you're going into the climax of the film and then the narration comes on. They show some still images and that's it. And you're left to wonder like what happens with the main characters at the end. So I love it. I love it because of that. I love the action adventure nature of it. Um, I'm still like, I I've only seen one time. I'm, I haven't had enough time to honestly marinate on the themes of the film. So I'm going to bring it over to my buddy Ben here to kind of talk more about the film.
0: Big buddy Ben. Big buddy Ben. Nah. Does his face ever change back? It alludes to it in the very end.
2: You get to see a glimpse of his real face. Yeah. And and one thing I wonder is like, is he, he does he have a pig head because he sees himself as a pig? He's the only
0: guy. Dude, that's so interesting that you say that. He's the only person in the world that has an animal face. He has a, he has a literal pig face. Have you seen this Dustin? No. Okay, so it takes place in the early 1930s. We're supposed to think because we see him with a magazine. He's sitting on his private he lives on a secluded island that he flies into and flies out of. So no one else knows where it is. It's like a secret hideout. It's actually pretty badass. He's also he, always drinking. Yeah, always drinking. He's super chill. He almost feels like a Teddy Roosevelt pig <laughs> if you were if you were a pilot, right? Hmm. So it's, you can think it's the thirties because he has a magazine that's from the mid to late 19, like 1929. Right. And being that time distribution, I don't know. These movies are normally pretty thought out. So that's what I was thinking. I was like, okay, you're
2: right. He was a pilot in the war during world war one. That's why I got confused. And this takes place in the thirties. Go
0: on. Yeah. So it takes place in the thirties. Like Dylan said, you're introduced to like, he's a bounty hunter in Italy like he's flying this bright red plane. It's super dope, and it's got an engine on the top of it instead of in the front of it. No, nice. so he can crank it right above him. Yes. Oh, dude, it's because it's a prop plane. They're all still flying prop planes. Yeah. It shows you how badass he is, but he has this faulty. So I'm just gonna spoil the whole movie. Like do it. To watch just it. Do this it. movie's old. Like, spoilers. Yeah, <laughs> it's like all spoilers. So he's got this plane that's kind of malfunctioning, but he's still a badass. Right, and the pirates are getting frustrated because he keeps foiling their their <laughs> lootings, <laughs> and so they hire this American, like what is the American's name? Curtis. Curtis, <laughs> He's you, <like, laughs> country, country boy Curtis. <laughs> and so, country boy helps them execute this like looting of this cargo ship, and then they're like, "All right, we're coming for you, Porcaroso. And at this point, <laughs> like Pocaroso is working on his plane. He's like, "Shit, I got to go to Milan." To go, And it's also, like, geographically, they're staying in places that are all, like, real-world places, just a pig-faced yeah. guy doing all of this. <laughs> so he flies to Milan to get his plane fixed, and on his way—or, no, he gets shot down by Curtis, and then he's like, okay, now I really need to go to Milan <laughs> to get my ship fixed. They go—that's when he meets his new engineer, uh, Teo, who's, like, a young girl. And they mention that, like, everyone who works on his plane is a, is a woman— and at one point he's like, damn, don't you have any men here? And the guy like the guy who's running everything, he's like, What? They're good. They're hard workers. They know what they're doing. He's like, Yeah, but they're not baking the cake. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my <laughs> But then they build in this like really badass plane. He's like, Okay, yeah. I got you. <laughs> like Proven wrong. Product. But they go over budget. Oh, they go way over budget. On and the so, plane. And that's part of the reason why like go, or Theo goes with um. Porkorozo when when he goes to leave because she's like you owe me a ton of money. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm going to come with you and make sure this thing can fly and also make sure I get paid. Aww. So because at this point fascism is starting to like run rampant and take over the political system in Italy mm-hmm. and they have like a strict ban against Porkorozo as a bounty hunter. And there's secret police and shit. Yeah. Dang. Dude, it's Yeah, Dang. so it's playing on like on like war like upcoming war themes. Like political drama, but then there's like this kind of like lighthearted fight between him and Curtis because Curtis had shot him down, but Pork Rosso wasn't dead, so it's like ooh, defend your honor, <laughs> type thing, and so that's pretty good. There's some love interests, and that's where it leaves you hanging is it doesn't tell you what happens with that, and in the end, like when he's going to leave, like when they're about to go do their final because dist- they're in the central location duking it out Curtis and Porcoroso and then the Italian army's coming in they're like oh shit we have to leave so everyone's getting off the island they're bet it's like this hu- it's like a gambling island almost tons <laughs> of people betting a ton of money <laughs> they're all leaving Porcoroso and Curtis go and fly up to go distract the Italian military and then that's when it's like boom cut to black yeah here's a little montage of like stills in the future he like, wants oh, answers. Damn. But right before the cut, when they're running to their planes, Curtis looks at him, and he's like, oh, your face. So to answer your question, does he just see himself like that? At one point, I was like, huh, does he see himself like that? Or you also learn that he left the military. Like, he he basically abandoned the military. He was a fighter in World War One. We see a picture of him in the film, and he's got, like, his face crossed out, but he has, like, a real human face. Hmm. And I don't think his face is necessarily like a pig, but that's just how society sees him because he's not loyal. Mm. Right? He he abandoned his country. He abandoned his people. But at the end, Curtis sees like the real him and he's like, oh, shit, your face, like you are a real person. I don't know. That's interesting.
2: That is, Yeah, that's that's a good point. And then like, I don't know, it's just upsetting. Like I wanted to see that dog fight at the end. I wanted to see it so bad. Oh, I know. (laughs) And I wanted to know, like, I mean, it's implied that possibly he does end up with the girl, like, because you see his plane parked at her villa or whatever. But, like, maybe that's just wishful thinking based on his protege's part who's narrating the end, and he actually dies. You don't know. Like, you just can't know,
0: you know? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like what Len's... What lends well to that idea is that Gina, the love interest who's known him since World War I, she never calls him Porco. She always calls, always calls him Marco, yeah, like his old true. human name. And she admits in, like at one point in the film, she's waiting in the villa, just outside. And uh, Curtis comes in because he had proposed to her the first time he saw her. And he comes in, he's like, I'm about to go back to Hollywood. I'm going to be a Hollywood star, and then I'm going to be president. And wouldn't you want to be first lady? And she's like, you're hilarious Americans. Like, you don't know what love is. Like, for us, love is like, you have it one time. You have love, like, four times. And he's, like, <laughs> offended. And he's like, well, what do you mean? She's like, you love, and she says, like, you love everyone you see. Like, and that's not what love is. And she says that the per- she has to deal with herself for someone that she loves if he ever meets her in the garden during the day, then that'll be it. Like they will, they will be together forever. But Porco is never there. Like he's not there mm. during the day. He only shows up to the bar, to her bar at night.
2: Damn.
0: Yeah, and Curtis find and Curtis finds this out because like he Porco flies right over her, and this is when he makes his like. His re-entrance. Like his plane got shot down. People didn't know if he was dead. He just got his shit fixed. And now she's like, bro, I'm like, oh shit, he's alive. Curtis is <laughs> like, fuck, he's not dead. I thought I killed him.
1: Country board Curtis. Just to add on a
2: little bit more to this. Man, I love this film. I'm glad that we're breaking this down. I think this was a good movie. <laughs> what's his girl's name? What's her name? Gina. Gina. I think she mentions his pig head at one point. Like, oh, are you ever going to change back? I feel like she does mention that. And then, I just remembered the scene where he's viewing all of his buddies who got killed in the dog fight back in World War One that caused him to leave. But he he's like on the borderline between life and death at that point. And he's just watching them ascend in their planes to whatever is above. And he's like, "What?" he's saying, wait, I can come with
0: you. I completely forgot about that scene. I can go instead yeah.
2: of you. And so what he's, the reason he has the pig head is because he feels guilt that he didn't die and they did. Yeah. And that's the reason it's not necessarily, it could be society as well, but it's also, he feels
0: guilt. He feels like a pig. Right. (laughs) Damn. Damn. It's a good movie, dude. (laughs) (laughs) If you didn't, if you weren't going to pick it, I'd have picked it.
2: Nice. Oh, I love that film. Oh, okay.
0: So now you're like, now I love it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, it's definitely a good one. Takes that sends it off to me. I'm going to go with just like a, a pretty chill movie, but a good movie. Winner of the 2000, what? What one is this? Hold on. <laughs> 2017 Academy Award, and Best Animated Film Academy oh. Award, The Red Turtle. So there's this guy, the storm sets him adrift, and he washes up on this beach and it's just like this forest he builds a raft to try to sail away but the raft is destroyed by a monster so he's like stuck on this island um and then he comes across this like turtle with this red shell and he's like oh shit dude what's up mr turtle you going to you going <laughs> to help me out here uh but the turtle's too like turtle ends up washed up on its back and the guy can't get him flipped over and he's afraid the turtle's going to die so he's like Trying to nurture like trying to nurture the turtle laying next to him, loving him. This is like a story of like <laughs> this him. is a story of man connecting with turtle. <laughs> loving him. I love it. So in the morning, check this out. When in the morning when he wakes up, turtle ain't a turtle, y'all. Turtle's a redhead lady.
3: Oh
0: <gasps> redheaded lady. And so he builds a shelter for them, and then they, you know, they kind of do their thing. They get cuddly, they go swimming, they eat some food, holla, holla. Oh. They have a red-haired kid. Wait, hold up. Yep, that escalated quickly. <laughs> oh, my God, they do. Yeah, they, they have They, they have do a it. child. So after so they go out in the water, and the boy accidentally falls into the water, and you realize he's a natural swimmer. and He swims with some turtles, and it's all symbolic. It's like, oh, my God, and it points at, like, flashes and it silhouettes and it's like, oh wait, there's a turtle boy? No, that's just a boy. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? How they do that with animation? And you're like, oh wow. Wow. And the boy grows (laughs) into a young man. And then after he after he gets older, the tsunami comes, the boy's searching for his parents, and his mother is like jacked up. She's like wounded and they can't find the father and you're like, what the fuck is going on here? Shit escalated quickly. And the dad's like in a predicament himself clinging to some bamboo like about to get swept away by this tsunami they rescue him yeah but ultimately family don't make it so they got to so they got to
1: got to burn him. oh my god they burn him up
0: with the bamboo they burn the dead turtle bamboo turtle family turtle family well no but the kid the kid lives but the turtle mom and dad boy. do not live that's my understanding of it,
2: man. So, what is is that like being in touch with like nature again? Like turtles, just turtles.
0: No, <laughs> <laughs> that's turtles.
1: <laughs> Sorry to get you.
2: <laughs> like the turtles die. I'm just thinking about that flash because I haven't seen this the flash sequence where you see the kid and the turtle. Like what and the turtle? Yeah, and he's swimming. <laughs> I don't know. It's. It, I'm just thinking of like that juxtaposed with someone coming home and just sitting in front of their TV all night. Like on their couch. No, nah, I'm thinking too. Not couch.
1: Not couch. Couch people, not turtles. Yes. Okay. <laughs> what the fuck? Now, now I get what you're saying.
0: Don't. Oh, I thought you were
1: fucking with me. No.
0: There is. Some, Don't be a there couch is, person. There is some fuckery going on right here. There's some fuckery going on. In the beginning, it was fuckery. Well, no, and no. I do not understand what you no, said. No, at, at the, the end, end, what I just said. At the end, it was fuckery. Like, Dylan, that sounds like how a Studio Ghibli film could end, right? Like, and then all the turtles died. <laughs> <laughs> all the turtles don't die. After the flash flood, the The family's alive, the parents grow old together, and then, like, the dad, the dad guy, old guy at this point, <clears throat> dies in the redhead's arms, and she's sad and grieves, and then she turtles back up. Peace out. <laughs> back into the ocean. <laughs> I'm serious. That's what, that's actually what happens. I gotta like, see that. Her husband dies and she's all sad. Just like, no, my husband died. And then no, she's no. like, goes back out into the beach and like crawls back into a turtle and goes back into the ocean. Cause turtles live longer than people. They live hella long. Especially red turtles.
1: <clears throat> turtle power.
0: Turtle power. I mean, yeah. 80 minutes. You're not going to wait. You're not going to spend a whole bunch of time. Is that getting on into this one. the uh, Disney plus? Nah dude, so a lot of the Studio Ghibli are on uh, HBO Max. Oh, that's right, that's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this one and Grave of the Fireflies, you can only, like, rent. They're not on any of the services. Bizarre. I looked everywhere. Paramount, nope. Peacock, nope. Netflix, nope. Hulu, nope. HBO, nope. <laughs> Disney Plus, nope. Nope.
1: You had to work for those. You had to go down.
0: (laughs) Nope.
2: Go down to Oregon's Blockbuster. Search in vain there. (laughs) Their pickings are slim.
0: Dang. Red Turtle. Number four. Number three. Not number four.
2: Yo, that is weird, though, because Disney's been a distributor of of Ghibli films. So it's weird that they're on HBO Max.
0: My hands are up. I don't know, man. Okay. I don't know. Weird. All right, Dustin. Weird. This one's okay, like, I just need a little more talking time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, no one at home can see, but I have been like dancing in my spot for a little while. I realized that I've had to go to the bathroom. For oh, a good geez, of why time. didn't you say anything? And you could have just gone. It's about to be my last two picks, and then I'm gonna disappear for five minutes, maybe less. I don't know how long it's really gonna take me to get downstairs. The bathroom's not that far away. We'll see. Don't time me. Anyways, my third pick. I'm going
2: to
3: time you now.
1: <laughs> I am in Matt's spot in the wraparound. We are without Mr. Franchise. So you know it. I'm going to go with that number one, the first one Castle in the Sky, not oh! Howl's Moving Castle. Castle in the Sky. Don't get confused at home. 1986. I got lots of little fun facts for this one. That's no.
2: the first Ghibli film.
1: Yeah. Okay, sorry. And they're laying the groundwork for all this stuff that's about to go down. So yeah. it's pretty cool to watch uh, knowing what the studio is going to be doing and they're already starting to like do a lot of their classic themes and the animation is really nice. Here's some fun facts though that I thought was like super cool about this. Its cultural impact is immense and not only has it done things like being an influential classic in the steampunk and diesel punk genres actually But it is also credited for the most tweeted moment in the history of Twitter. What? Yes. During an airing of Castle in the Sky on Japanese TV on August 2nd, 2013, fans tweeted the word Baloose at the exact time that it was said. In an important mo- moment of the movie, and there was a global peak of 149, or 143,199 tweets in one second. What is the, what's the <laughs> word? It's B A L U S. What is that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I thought that was interesting. Go Twitter moment. Cool. It's also been voted the second greatest animated film in Japanese history at the 2006 Japan Media Arts Festival and was voted first place in 2008 Oricon audience pool. Uh, It's supposed to just been really, really inspirational, even inspiring uh, with some of the things I read, some Pixar stuff. And it's number one. I feel like I'm going strong with this gateway team identity. You got the big face of the studio in Totoro. Then you got Kiki's Delivery Service. Hella fun. Hella fun. Widely popular. Something for all ages. Now I'm going with the first. You're hooked. I gave you those two bags of Ghibli and you're like, yes, I want more. Now you're going back, doing a little history. Going back to that. Number one. Also said that it had some influence on some popular music some jazz bands. There's uh, even some anime and different Japanese culture that cites this movie as extremely influential. So, Hey, Mr. Franchise, wherever you are, he's stuck thinking, on i five. I'm thinking about you. This is a pick for you, for you, bud.
2: <laughs> Wait, hold on. What happens in castle in the sky? Did you talk about that?
1: No, I have not yet. I'm keeping you. In suspense. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I want to get all the other fun facts and it's a jumbled up mess. So you'll have to excuse me. Okay, so the plot is not necessarily like the most complex, not like Mononoke. But it's a boy and a girl try to find a magic crystal and a castle in the sky. But I want you to mostly focus on its influence, its visual comp- uh, compositions. I'm not going to get too much into the plot. Go watch it, Dylan. Go watch it. Well, I've seen it. Gateway. It's just like,
2: Then he- <laughs> I feel like the plot is, I don't know. It's just like, what's stunning about that movie isn't the plot. Yes. It is the animation.
1: Hence why I'm not talking about the plot. <laughs> yeah, <it's>, uh,
2: <laughs> the plot is like, I don't know. I, I don't want to say it's not memorable, but it's not memorable. It's just simply the imagery is insane. Yes. Absolutely insane. Thank you. There's also a lot of moments since it's like in the sky where you're like, oh, God, please don't fall. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Thinking about things flying again. I don't know what it is about kids and things flying. Where you got Howl's Moving Castle. We had Kiki on a broom. Got things shit up in the air. Ah. <laughs> yes. ah Yes Yes studio please <laughs> <laughs> Yeah <laughs> So that one goes out to you Matt Mr. Franchise
0: Nice Nice that's the end of that <laughs> round <laughs> Maybe Yeah end of that round draft more
2: Have you ever had a bird shit on you when you're outside and just wiped it off with a dry paper towel without properly washing and cleaning yourself first? Probably not. Why keep spreading fecal matter over your sensitive posterior? Instead of spending money on toilet paper in a meager attempt at keeping yourself hygienic, treat your brown starfish right and buy a bidet. That's right. A bidet will keep your behind fresh and clean and won't leave any irritation on your Donald rump. You'll even impress your loved ones. So next time you're online or at a superstore, do your rosebud a favor and pick up a bidet. Stay clean, stay fresh, stay sexy. Mount
1: Draftmore.
2: Hot Daniel.
0: Round four. You could have started whenever <laughs> you were just waiting. <laughs> so <patiently>. I left. <laughs> do, 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 do. You know, if
1: you hadn't jumped in, it was gonna be that nice little beat, that little pause that we all needed from that round
0: four. No oh, one needed a beat. <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to never miss a beat. <sighs> Gateway uh, team, here we go. In that article called
1: called one of the kiddiest films in the collection, but I loved it. It was so beautiful and visually stunning. Ponyo, I loved it a lot. It Just was like da, 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 dang! These animations are dope. Got that sea theme. I don't know why, but I feel like animation and drawing artistry is ripe for like all the different colors, all different
0: shades of blue for oceans. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. Great, I got you. Woo! Yeah, oceans are great. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> They look way better in animated form than they do now. I mean, in animation, it's not full of fucking plastic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> or oil. Poor turtles. Yeah. So this is kind of like a little bit of that ode to, uh, what's, a, what's a Disney movie called? Little Mermaid. Because it is that little goldfish who escapes from the ocean and is rescued by a five-year-old boy, uh Suzuki. And after uh, the little uh, goldfish is washed ashore while trapped in a glass jar, they realize Ponyo's desire to become a human girl. A little bit of that Little Mermaid-ish kind of influence. The critical reception is kind of funny. When I read through it, it got really good reviews. Like most of them are like 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. Like it... Did pretty good. Japan Times gave him four out of five stars, praised the film's simple thematic elements, its visual scheme. Compared the film to Miyazaki's classic animation My Neighbor Totoro. Yeah, we're going with the themed four here. And then some of them, though, the only things that are criticized were uh, some of the pacing. And one person said, uh, "Wendy-eyed of the Times said Ponyo is a chaotic." and exuberant as a story told by a hyperactive toddler. I don't know <laughs> what this says about this, my psychology, but I loved it. I loved how <laughs> all over the place it was going. I'm like trying to remember some of the specific plot lines. They have that evil dude who's like shooting out all that gunk in the ocean and is like trapping uh, trapping the sea creatures. But what really just stood out to me was how much freaking fun I had watching the movie, and it was kind of all over the place, and it was visually stunning. Do I remember exactly what happens? No, but Ponyo just has like this special place in my heart. I can definitely tell what they mean by the kiddiest. It did make, it was just a really good feel good experience. It was really sweet. dude. It was sweet. I mean, she's just a goldfish who like
2: happens to get loose and get caught. And then she gets a little bit of this kid's blood and they, that creates a bond between them. Yes. And, and, and enables her to become human, which is really cool. Um and um oh man, I just got lost in what I was saying. Uh it's it's cool too. I mean she she stays human. Like her mm-hmm. I don't know if it's her father. Her fa- her like mom, who's clearly like a sea deity, convinces her dad to let her go.
1: Yeah. So the weird she, dude.
2: Yeah. The magician or whatever. Yep. And so she gets to live with Lisa and Sosuke and mm-hmm. eat
3: ham.
2: <laughs> she loves ham. Yes. She loves ham. It's fun. It's just a sweet movie. I don't it's know. It's super sweet. I loved it. Yeah. I mean, it's also, I think it's, it's cool
0: because it shows like the power of nature. Mm. Right. Why do I always have to follow up you after like a fun whimsical <laughs> like, Kiki's <laughs> delivery service? <laughs> or Grave.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, we both suck to
1: a particular lane. This one, once I had the identity of my team, I wasn't getting off
3: of it.
0: I felt like my hand kind of got forced. Yeah. Like each time, just because of the position I'm in, it's like, oh, that one got taken. Well, that means I get this one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is a little bit like that. I mean,
1: I'm with Dylan. I think it's just, it's a sweet film. It's it fun. Is.
2: There's not too many deep, I don't know. You could search for what you want, like the power of nature, but it's also just a sweet film. Um, I, I interpreted a little bit of like climate change, how mm-hmm. the islands, because they live, I think I'm like island community,
3: mm-hmm. and the yep, island
2: basically just gets flooded. And I, I thought immediately of um, my kids two years ago, my ninth graders did a, a Pacific Island unit, and a lot of Pacific Island nations are dealing with that issue. Mm-hmm. Whenever it storms, it floods and, uh, yeah,
1: it's just going to become an increasing issue, but it's just a sweet film other than that. And I feel like I wasn't even bothered by the pacing because it kind of felt a little refreshing because when I watched it, it was like a year and a half ago, and Marjorie and I had watched, like, several Studio Ghibli films in a row, and the thing that I loved that I said earlier about them just sitting in moments and letting them uh, just, like, let it play out. Mm-hmm. Characters are doing nothing in the scene, you're just sitting with like the emotional weight of whatever they're dealing with. So the kind of fast pace all over the place kind of thing was kind of refreshing. I don't know. Maybe it's just cause I was watching like a bunch at the time, but I was like, yeah, let's go. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. Uh, and also I do just remember it being like really visually simulated. Like it was really a, amazing animation so when she's running after the
2: truck on the waves that shit is crazy it's dope i i was like sitting there just on the edge of my seat going whoa (laughs)
1: yes (laughs) i had a bomb ass time watching this movie definitely in my head i always kind of think about this movie a little bit like i can talk so much more about spirited away or these other movies but Ponyo is just so much fun i was bomb bomb movie off to you, Ben.
0: This run, I'm going to try to be concise with this because, we are man, we're already at an hour, damn, an hour and a half. And oh.
1: Dylan, don't time me. I'll, I'll be, be real back. short when it comes oh, to mine.
0: Yeah, you're good. <laughs> so, well, damn, that means you're not even going to hear me make, make the case for my thing.
1: Sorry about
0: it. No, you're good. Go for it. Just between us and the listeners, Dylan. <laughs> oh, no. I'm timing it. Are you? I am. No. You're timed. The stopwatch is on. It's on now. <laughs> I'm going to pick The Wind Rises. Oh, yes. The Wind Rises another film that takes place in like the real world um another kind of anti-war film. It follows a character named Jiro from 1918 until his wife's death after World War II, I believe. Um Yeah. Yeah, he dreams of being a pilot, but he's nearsighted, so he can't fly.
2: <laughs>
0: so he ends up becoming a, a designer, and he goes to uh, Tokyo Imperial University, learns how to work on planes. That's where he meets a young girl, but then he ends up leaving that young girl, I believe, different young girl. Hold on. Fact-checking, fact check. Fact che- no, he meets his wife in college. Oh, snap. They're like, and, they love each other, too. Yeah, and they're together for a long time. They're together through the Great Kanto Earthquake of 1923. Apparently there's a traumatic scene where a nurse breaks her leg. <laughs> Brutal. It was a hard movie to watch. I'm not going to lie. He works for uh, Mitsubishi as an air- aircraft designer. And the movie is just basically about highlighting how hard that job is. Designing, testing, failing, being criticized, going all back through, like back and forth, back and forth, and this is all happening in buildup for war. So he's getting employed by Mitsubishi in the late 1920s as Japan is really imperializing. Mm-hmm. And then in the early 30s, they're aligned with Germany. So he's going over to Germany to design planes and test them with the Germans. And then he encounters like racism from the Germans because there's like, anti-Asian mm-hmm. sentiment mm-hmm. from the Nazis, even though they're allies. And then he comes back. Uh, his wife gets uh, is it TB? Yeah, tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. And then she gets like a blood clot in her lung, which causes her to hemorrhage. Um, yeah, and then eventually her health deteriorates and she dies. God damn! I picked all the sad movies. <laughs> you want all the sad realistic movies? There you go. Man, I I I did
2: have a hard time. Uh, watching this film i think i cried during it it was i don't know it's brutal dude because not only is this a sad story of this dude like but it's also it's pretty realistic to events that happen i mean he's designing like his life is sad and and parts of it are happy too with his wife but like he comes home he's a perfectionist he's bringing his work home missing part of his life with his wife he doesn't have i don't think they have kids together right no because she gets sick yeah she gets sick and, and he probably keeps busy with work because she gets sick too, because he, you know, who knows? Maybe he doesn't want to think about it, but also he's designing these planes that are really designed for a purpose to be as efficient as possible at the task they are given, which I believe that plane, I don't know the model, but it was used specifically for like one way trips, kamikaze
0: missions. Yeah. Um, wild, absolutely wild. He designs, he designs planes all through the war. And it said, like it says he's flaunt, he's testing a new plane when his wife dies. And so they symbolize that in the film by like a gust of wind hitting the plane, like lifting the plane, but he lives through the war and his dream of being a like leading designer of planes ends up being realized. But it it ends on that same, like, Studio Ghibli, like, okay. Like, kind of determined, like, what you don't know what happens to him after that. Mm -hmm. It's like, and fade to black. Yeah. (laughs) Who knows? Man. Well, I hope he remarried. Hope he did something. Hope he lived his life like they said he should. Yeah. Damn. uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Emily Blunt, John Krasinski, Martin Short. Another. Elijah Wood. Who oh my else? God. Stanley Tucci, 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 Tucci. It's like Gucci. <laughs> Werner Herzog. Look at all these studs, dude. That's insane. William H Macy. What a lineup. Yeah, right. Did y'all see that in theaters? I saw it in theaters. No, I did not see it in theaters. It's nope. good. You're the last pick, I think, Dylan.
2: Well, we've run out of movies that I've seen, so <laughs> I'm
1: gonna. <laughs> what does the list
2: say?
3: <laughs> I'm gonna go off.
2: Okay, the tale of the princess uh, Kaguya. It's number oh. five on this list that I'm reading
0: from. I thought you were gonna take the cat returns. I don't know what that is. It's a cat, a tabby cat in a white top hat. That's dope. I. It sounds kind of <laughs> like Cat in the Hat. Uh, I should watch
2: that. Um, Okay, I'm just going to I'm just going to read. Like, let's go. Please, let me <laughs> stay a little go. longer, just a little longer to feel the joy of living in this place. No other film in the catalog vibrates with the same deep emotion as Isao Takahata's final film, arguably his masterpiece. A clear culmination of themes he had explored throughout his career. This is a film that feels simple at first, an old-fashioned fairy tale about a magical girl who grows up quickly, It's only two hours later when you've experienced its emotions. Wow. Two hours in their totality (laughs) that you can really appreciate what Takahata accomplishes here with sparse watercolor visuals. How unique that a nearly free of the visual flourish of the company's prior works. Takahata focuses his audience on his themes instead of just his art. It is like a lovely musical composition for a single instrument. You can hear every heartbreaking note in the end. It's a story about nothing less than the transitive nature of human existence. We are all only here for a short time, and we should all feel the joy of living in this place. Have any of you seen this movie?
1: Nope, but that's I've a pretty good, good pitch. That yeah. sounds
2: great. The tale of Princess Kaguya. Hold on, let
1: me. I did watch some scenes from it. it can you tell visuals, us a little bit about it? I can tell you about the visuals. Okay, like, visuals are calorie. definitely very different. It's cool. Like, I feel like the scenes that I saw, I could tell why they say it's like more pared down. Mm-hmm. Like the expressions for the characters don't move quite as fast. Mm -hmm. Like they're not switching it up as fast, Mm -hmm. but they're like some of the scenes I saw, like the tonal kind of coloring of each image is like with watercolors. It can be very dramatic. Like, Oh, the cherry blossom tree, like this, just very vibrant pink, like bleeding off the screen practically. So it looked, it looked really cool and I definitely
0: wanted to watch it. It looks like they use like a traditional style. Yep. Like a more traditional style.
2: It does. The artwork looks amazing. Definitely traditional like Japanese aesthetic to it. Mm -hmm. Um, Came out in 2013 at a budget of $49.3 million. It is the most expensive Japanese film to date. Wow. That's wild. Um, And it's gotten massive critical acclaim. I mean, if not just for the animation... Alone, it's considered one of the greatest animated films of all time, um, by the Academy Awards. Um, pretty wild. Uh, yeah, I can't tell you much more than that. I, I, I'm gonna go watch this film later.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Rock and roll. Rock and roll. That's a pretty good setup, y'all. So I guess we gotta we gotta roll through, to do make our case, and then we'll get the hell out of here, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, let's make our case then.
3: Make 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 their case
2: to be logical and clear
0: the parents from brother from what's the movie with uh, Will Ferrell and Step Brothers? yeah the parents from Step Brothers were both in The Tale of Princess Kaguya oh, oh.
2: Whoa, that's cool. They must
0: be a thing. <laughs> they must be doing something off the <laughs> scenes. Dustin, <Scandalous. laughs> you first. You ready? Yeah. Wait, are you first? I did the wraparound. Is that how we normally do this? I can't remember. Jesus, Let's yeah, say that's yes. how we do it. Yes.
1: All right, I got the introduction gateway. Ghibli movies that are going to get you started. You want those two bags of Ghibli? That you are not going to want to stop there. <laughs> My first pick, the face of the franchise, my neighbor Totoro. Walk into any classroom or any school, and you very well might see some Totoro merchandise. It is cute. It is fun. It is whimsical. There's a cat bus that Dylan obnoxiously got to rent as a kid, laughing at us, Ben and I, with our normal-ass childhoods, without any cat bus involved. Kiki's Delivery Service, (laughs) super famous, is amazing. There's a talking cat, not a cat bus in it. But this badass witch who ends up saving the day, flipping the script on that damsel in distress story, helping out Tombo, finding her identity, going less and less on that reliance of adults as a teenage girl, trying to figure out how to be more independent. It's a badass film. It's funny. It's got everything you want. Then I'm going with the first Studio Ghibli movie. You want to, oh man, I'm I'm loving these first two bags and now I got to learn more. I'm going with the original one that has influenced so much outside of animation even. So much art in the world influenced by that one. Then you got Ponyo fun as fuck with some great animation all those beautiful colors. You got Ponyo on these waves all oh, this amazing stuff. And then that dad is crazy.
0: Gotta watch it. That dad is crazy gotta watch it. <laughs> do it. My turn. My turn to do it. I have the team of like deeper <laughs> themes, societal issues, world issues. Sad. Sad. No. <laughs> no, they, they're realistic. They got to bring you to the forefront of these. These are advocate films, bro. <laughs> Anti-war films. Princess Mononoke talking about that balance between society and nature, living, coexisting, not abusing nature, uh, beautiful film. Two two plus hours for an animation animated film. Anything that's over two hours and is animated is pretty special. Uh, Grave of the Fireflies, definitely anti-war film, uh, critical of World War Two and the after effects for children specifically, but also society at large. Even after the war ends, stuff's still burning down and trauma's being felt. The Red Turtle, this is like the most uplifting one on my team. This is a story of love and sticking with the people you you know the people you care about, even through traumatic events. You know, like that tsunami is supposed to come and challenge the family and almost wipes them away, but they are, they hold together and they resolve and they live. They live <laughs> to be old, and then the red turtle goes off on her own and does her thing, and then finally the wind rises. Another realistic kind of anti-war movie about an airplane engineer who's working through the twenties and thirties and forties designing planes for Mitsubishi. And like the realistic tolls that takes on him and his family. Yeah. Succinct. Papam.
2: <laughs> Dylan, you ready? Yeah. All right. Uh, I don't know the common thread through my teams, but here, let's talk about him. Spirited <laughs> Away. Uh, that is like the number one Ghibli film at this point, post 2001. Uh, while Totoro could be the gateway film for pre 2001 kids, let's be real. Uh, Spirited Away, with its a- lovely animation um, and story, is uh, about like avoiding overconsumption. Um, definitely an amazing film. Howl's Moving Castle uh, mixes the whimsical with a very anti-war stance. Uh, very cool. So it's not quite as as grave as Grave of the Fireflies. Um, it's not going to leave you feeling like you want to die afterwards. Um, (laughs) Porco Rosso another possibly anti-war film but this time it's about like loving yourself right not letting your your intentions uh, get clouded with guilt but like being confident about yourself Um, and the tale of Princess Kaguya uh, which is amazing traditional Japanese aesthetic um, about a, a girl found in a shoot of bamboo and and she's labeled uh, princess of, of, of the a little princess of the bamboo, I think is what she's labeled. Um, really, just a great team overall. So uh, you can just vote for me, okay.
0: Dang, this podcast has gone long for there just being three of us. I probably think that's because I told Dustin the whole Porcaroso movie. <laughs> that was definitely when I had to go to the bathroom and I was like,
1: holy crap.
0: Let me just, ta- let me
1: just talk your but ear. Off Dylan here. went, ah, I marinated on it after that. Oh, yes, I love it. <laughs> I get it now. <laughs> yeah,
2: we talked through it. It felt good.
0: Yeah, it was really good. We made it through it. But we took a ton of <laughs> took a ton of time for the listeners. Uh, you're about to hit 145, so thanks for staying committed. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mount Draftmore Studio Ghibli Films with Dustin, Dillon and I. You know how we do. But we need you to vote for the winner. You can find us on the social medias: Facebook at Mount Draftmore, Instagram at Mount Draftmore, and then all the other places. Mount Draftmore. I don't know what the other places are, <laughs> but t- <laughs> Twitter is at Draftmore. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Twitter. Wait, I don't do the Twitter. Whatever. (laughs) Someone else needs to do the Twitter. It's not a real place. It's not a real place. Yeah, and other than that, thanks for joining us. We'll see you here next time. Till then, be safe. Peace.